When I was a kid, I was fascinated by horror movies. There's something about this idea that there's another world inhabited by strange creatures beyond our comprehension, just behind the veil of what we think is reality. And now, I'm an adult, and through my use of psychedelics, I am fascinated by the ideas of other worlds just behind the veil of what we think is reality. You know, I think I can see a bit of a pattern here. So this is something I wanted to explore in more detail with today's guest who is more than qualified for the task because I'm speaking to Chet Zar, who's an artist in the genre known as dark art and he has worked in Hollywood special effects on films such as The Ring, Planet of the Apes, Darkman and many more. He's also collaborated with the band Tool and designed the graphic elements used in their live shows and music videos such as Vicarious and Schism. So yeah, Chet knows his shit when it comes to the world of the strange and the bizarre. And on top of all of that, he has a keen interest in the world of psychedelics, which is how I came to cross paths with him. And I am so glad I did because he's a great guy and I absolutely loved talking to him. Now, the path that Chet has been on through all this stuff I just mentioned is absolutely fascinating. And we discuss all of it, along with the parallels between the horrific and the transcendent, and also his current project of creating a comprehensive dark art mythological field guide called Dystopia. You know, I kind of wish that we'd arranged this meeting sooner so I could have put it out as like a Halloween special, but hey, that's hindsight for you. Anyway, without further ado, I bring you Chet Zar. So yeah, I'm joined tonight by Chet Zar. And uh, yeah, this is uh, something which, that's come together fairly quickly. And I am absolutely stoked to be able to talk to Chet because as I've kind of recently discovered, I am I have been a long time fan of your work without quite realizing it. So <laughs> I'm really looking forward to uh, going down some rabbit holes with you tonight, mate. Um, yeah. Probably a good place to start. Do you, do you want you just to introduce yourself and tell us tell us who you are and what you do? Uh, yeah, my name's Chet and um, Chet Zar, and I worked for about 20 years in the film industry right out of high school, and working on all kinds of doing makeup effects, creature effects uh, for all kinds of old 80, late 80s 90s horror movies uh and um did that for about 20 years and got burnt out just just disillusioned with the with the film industry for mm. you know i'm sure you could figure uh why <laughs> <laughs> as as an artist working in, in that field it's it's kind of difficult so i um basically transitioned into a, a career in fine art and now i'm a painter and mm -hmm. um and i uh create monster portraits basically <laughs> yeah so we'll, we'll, we need i think we'll probably need to un unpack that a little bit more but if i can just just rewind again how do how do you go from like high school into doing what you're doing and like and because let, let's reel off a few of the few like this kind of the movies that you worked on and some of the stuff we talked about like you know uh the, the one we just mentioned was, was like the blob so like mm. how these these are sort of like the very typical in, in my eyes the 80s horror is my favorite sort of yeah. era of, of horror how'd you get into that stuff like what what was that what did that look like <laughs> well i grew up in a town called san pedro which is about 45 minutes outside of la mm -hmm. so i wasn't that far from the industry even though san pedro it's a little uh, port town it's kind of cut off from the rest of the world in a way but um i i grew up there I was always an art kid. I was always drawing and creative since I was a little kid. My parents were super supportive. 
Um, and I got a hold of my dad's Super 8 movie camera. That's how old I am. Super 8. Yeah. And I started making my own movies. I was always into horror movies and just films in general, but mostly like uh, it was like when I was a kid, it was like horror movies and Monty Python were like my two big things. And um, so I started making movies and I got really interested in the filmmaking process when I was about nine years old mm -hmm. and um, just making goofy Super 8 films. And I started editing them. Then I saw uh, The Howling. I saw The Howling and Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead first, the, the, the original 1978 Dawn of the mm -hmm. Dead in the theater. And The Howling. And both of those movies were just like, oh, my God, how did they do that? I have to learn how to do this. So I started reading books at the library. <laughs> you know, this is back before internet, you know, it's like go to the library, ask your mom, drive you down to the library. Um, and I started getting any books I get my hand on, uh, hands on and uh, any makeup supplies, which are really hard to find from like magic shops and theatrical supply yeah. places. And I started just doing makeup on myself. And so by the time I was like 12 years old, I was like, okay, I'm so into this. I got a Fangoria subscription that magazine Fangoria mm -hmm. and I was like this is what I want to do with my life at that at 12 and so I started sculpting making masks and just learning more and more and with the intention that I was going to get in the business when I graduated high school and so I was making a portfolio throughout high school and um, I graduated I almost went to an art college but I was like at the last I had my grants and everything set up and at the last minute I was like I know I can get in this field this is what I want to do it's just going to be putting it off a few years so I um kind of like you know bummed around for a year after high school and uh uh, uh made some half-hearted attempt attempts to get into the industry by like having meetings at some of the shops in hollywood and um i eventually got hired um uh at, you know i i did some stuff before that semi-professional stuff like doing makeup at at amusement parks that mm -hmm. you know a friend of mine who was older than me hired me but i got hired by a guy named tony gardner and um well i got hired yeah i did a lot of smaller shows before like cellar dweller that was my first first show is this movie cellar dwellers just piece of crap horror movie but i think, uh, I think i've heard it because <laughs> you know i'm from that era where it was like a typical weekend would be you go down the video store and you just kind mm -hmm. of peruse the shelves and it's yeah and you kind of you're drawn to things primarily either by the cover or by the name of it you know yeah, and i do exactly. remember i don't think i ever saw cellar dweller but the, the name sticks in my head you're not missing much. It had Lily Mun It had Yvonne DiCarlo in it, Lily Munster, okay. you know, as, a, yeah. as an old lady, like one of her last movies. And uh, yeah, I actually worked at a place called MMI. That was kind of my first big effects job. It wasn't big, but my first official effects job. They sent me to Italy to go work on a film on set for like three months, I think it was. And I'd never been out. Of, I've never been on a plane before. I'd never been out of San Pedro, really. Mm -hmm. Um and so that was like a, a major thing. Then I came back and I had, you know, I had a, 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 a film on my resume. So I just kept trying to get work. And then this guy, Tony Gardner hired me. He got his first big break doing the blob, uh, effects for the blob. So it was, I was on the blob victims crew. So we did blob victims. And then the but other side of the the ones who've been dissolved blob. kind of bit yeah, by yeah, the blob. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was super fun. Yeah. So that was kind of my first job and I was making molds and sweeping I was doing whatever just kind of working my way up and then they saw that I could sculpt and then mm -hmm. and uh so I started sculpting little maquettes and uh and then they saw that I could paint and then I became the painter 
for all the blob victims. So most of the blob victims in the blob, I, I painted, I sculpted some, I keyed some of the effects, but I um, basically kind of worked my way up the ranks on that show. And then after that, you know, Dark Man and all kinds of other stuff. <laughs> I mean, yeah, when, when I saw you, you worked on Dark Man, I, I, I watched Dark Man when I was at college. And yeah, it was, <laughs> I, I mean, all Sam Raimi films are just awesome anyway. Oh, yeah. But Dark Man is just, is one of the, it just walks the line. So between like sort of camp and sort of like so over the top. And right. it, it, it's just, it's just kind of, it's awesome. It's one of, it just kind of, it manages just to find its place button. Uh, yeah, I was like, holy shit, he worked on that, man. I, thought, I was, don't man. <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was a Sam Raimi, super, super great dude, yeah, super yeah. cool guy. Uh, like you'd think he would be a really nice guy. And, um, I sculpted the makeup and applied it on set with my boss, Tony. And, um, that was an amazing experience. And yeah, it was like kind of the first comic book movie that had that comic book, real comic book feel mm -hmm. to it, I mm -hmm. think you know that yeah, kind yeah. Of the, wacky... the, the way it was edited and sort of put together it, it, it had yeah it was, and it had a lot of that sort of over dramatic comic book angles and yeah. you know like things would would turn like so it was very yeah, yeah it, like i say it had what that very over the top line but it just nailed it i think just yeah right <laughs> so, so i mean I, I mean i don't want to presume too much so but uh, you know obviously there is a there's a theme to what i do on youtube so yes what what, what is your kind of your interest uh, with with sort of psychedelia and how, how did how does that sort of overlap with the kind of your your interest in horror? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I was always I was always interested in um, spirituality. I guess you could call it, and just esoteric things. Even when I was a kid, my mom was kind of into that. She was sort of into like we had weird, always had weird stuff happening at our house. Lots just weird, weird shit. It was kind of like part of the, being part of our family, weird shit happened. But um, so I was always interested in that stuff. And I would, and as even like as a young teenager, I would, I was reading Carlos Castaneda and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Um, and, but I had, <clears throat> I was like the long haired weirdo kid of the neighborhood and all the, all the neighborhood kids were like, yo, he's going to be the druggy guy. And so I was like, I'm not doing any drugs. I'm not going to do it. You know, it's just out of spite. So I never did anything. I was like super straight straight um you know a uh, straight edge type guy mm -hmm. and uh, just in spite of them and then when i turned 18 i was like okay i've proved to myself that i'm not the druggy kid i'm not the partier i'm gonna try psychedelics because i've been reading so much about them and um right around that time i worked on the blob which i think was 86 1986 or so uh acid started going around and right. uh and so we were able i my first first time i i took it at a grateful dead show the only reason we went to go see it was for the to, to trip uh because we didn't know how to get it and had this just mind-blowing you know just amazing amazing experience uh amazing trip and so after that i kind of started uh for a whole summer right around the time i started working on the blob uh we started doing kind of like with a couple with actually who's my wife now she never tripped she was there and a and a one of my best friends jim bunky we would trip like every weekend or every couple weekends and it was just i had just it, it changed my life it's like before that i was like a nerdy um kid who was nerdy art kid who was into like prog and then after that, it's like I started getting into punk rock and it's just like it completely opened me up and changed me in such a huge way. So I always look at around 87 as this kind of turning point in my life. Yeah. And um, just and majorly 
just, you know, I had the God experience, you know, it's whatever you want to call it. I, you know, I, I've seen your sure. videos. I'm such a fan of the channel. Um, I've had that, those experiences and it was just drastically kind of changed my whole life and um, kind of reinforced a lot of stuff that I already sort of intuitively felt. Like I always kind of had this belief or feeling that there was something more. I used to have yeah. like weird out-of-body experiences when I was a kid, when I'd be half asleep, you know, uh, hypnagogic state or whatever they call it scientifically, but mm -hmm. where I'd like float around my room. And so I've always been kind of like connected to that stuff. But when I tripped, it was like, oh yes, it's true. It's real. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> so so how, how does that like kind of play together then with, with, with your kind of your imagination and how you're drawn to this kind of dark stuff. Cause I'm, yeah. I'll just, I'll just kind of play like, you know, the devil's advocate a mm -hmm. little bit. You know, there is a kind of a, a, let's say a narrative there that, you know, you know, psychedelia and these kind of God things, it conjures up a certain sort of imagery. And, right. Um, it wouldn't what's be what's typically associated with your kind of, kind of imagery. <laughs> But yeah, you know, I, 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 when I've been sort of looking through your stuff, and I think we, we're probably of, of the similar opinion in that there is a, a kind of, you know, for want of a sort of a better term, and I think maybe you, you could unpack this a bit better, but like it, there's a beauty in horror. This is not necessarily, right. it, it's not the, the kind of the 80s conservative, good, evil, you know, like you, you should you know, this is all, you know, you should go towards that and you should discard all that. Right. I think, I think you sort of embrace more this kind of, you know, the shadow concepts, the kind of the Jungian stuff. Mm -hmm. So I was wondering that, like, I, I think for most people, if they saw the kind of the stuff that you it, it kind of imagine within those, they would think this is a bad trip. Right. But, <laughs> so how, how does that kind of, how do those worlds kind of mesh together? Are you, do, do you kind of, the kind of the horror elements so these kind of come forwards in, in your sort of psychedelic experiences you know not really that that's the thing about the, my trip experiences have all been very uh not i don't want to say standard but they've all been like you know the alex gray type mm. trips you know very positive loving um spiritual you know se the sense of god the god thing and um so it didn't really affect my work, I don't feel like, except for, you know, on the blob, I did trip on the blob one time and I was looking, at, it was one of my first trips, I was looking at my hand and I could see all the modeling, all the colors, I could see into my hand and I was like, oh, wow. wow. And, and I took that the next day, literally the next day I went to work and I painted that and it was like, it, it, it was kind of like this new technique of painting that I hadn't mm -hmm. seen in effects before to make like realistic modeled skin. And I had like old pros that had been in the business for a while asking me like, Whoa, how did you come up with that? Teach me how to do awesome. that. It was like, it, so it had like an impact in that way. But, um, but the, you know, I've always been kind of like this monster kid who's into horror. Mm -hmm. um, and it just, it just, you know, if anything, once I started getting into this, the psychedelic stuff, I almost felt guilty. Like, is there something wrong with me that I'm doing this? And then, uh, you know, I, I grew to understand that, that this is, this is dark, dark art, which is what mm -hmm. we kind of call it. The kind of stuff I do in the, uh, it's, it's really shadow work. It really is like, yeah. and then that's an important, it's as important as the positive, happy, 
lovey stuff in psychedelics. It's like, you can't, if you ignore that, that's bad. That's the bad thing is when you ignore the dark stuff yeah, and you ignore the shadow work. It's like, you, you know, you know, I, I've seen videos where you've talked. Oh, yeah. About it's also, it's like, it's encouraging fear. And I, that was something right. I, I was, you know, when, when I was looking at your work, I thought if, if you could, if you can, um, have the, these, you know, these visions and these kind of concepts in your mind and be able to fully embrace and integrate that kind of, you know, th that dark aspect. And I'd, like I said, I'd, I'd want to disassociate from that kind of idea of like dark equals evil. Because right, so right. I see a lot of, a lot of beauty and a, a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of I elegance in what, what you do. Um, but yeah, if you can, I, I think that would be one way to sort of almost, make every experience like a positive experience. And, I, and I've certainly found that myself in that when I let go of this idea of like a good trip is this, it's th this small piece of bandwidth, that's a good trip. And anything right. sort of weird or monstrous or upsetting to right. me is instantly bad. And I'm going to sledge down, a, <laughs> down the hole. Right. <laughs> once, once you can uh, in, take all of it on board, then it, it makes, I think your experience is um, a lot more productive. And, oh, I, yeah. I, and one thing I, I kind of, I, sort of noticed from my experience when i've gone really deep is deep is that the 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 kind of the the balance the between what is extremely um beautiful and, and, and elegant and also what is kind of like cosmically horrific <laughs> it, it is very sort of narrow and i think this ties into a lot of this um like you know like the lovecraftian concepts or right. just just when you, when you experience something that is just so much so vast so much bigger than you that you are a, a sort of a a thing to be played with right and you know and, and that's that i think that kind of factors into th those kind of feelings of awe and, uh, right. and kind of th that you get in these experiences obviously when you when you see it in horror films it then takes it in another direction because th then you get these kind of predatory things but i think that's one of the reasons why i i love like horror stuff and why it's, it's kind of carried on through into my adult life because mm -hmm. um yeah, some of the, I think so, I've come to, come to recognize a lot of the concepts that I really love in in horror are, are still there, especially in psychedelic experiences. And you mentioned the hurling before. And I think one of the first things I watched, which kind of really got me thinking, it was similar to hurling. It was American Wolf in London. I remember mm -hmm. being shown this. I was yeah, far too young to see it, but my brother, <laughs> brother made me watch it. And the, the, when it gets to the, the transformation sequence, yeah, and you are you are seeing somebody just go through something completely beyond their control, where it's not it's reshaping their body, but also reshaping their mind, and they are right. they are being lost into this thing. That was the bit that terrified me. It was the idea of this this thing kind of consuming it, and I. I that's always the kind of the, the horror elements that I get drawn to is mm -hmm. this um, And I reckon, I, th I think there's something in there, where, which I think relates a lot to um, the kind of the, the ego death concept. It's this right. idea of, of losing yourself. Right. And I, yeah, I mean, the scariest thing ever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's I, the I, same fear that, you know, that keeps you from crossing over or going all the way on DMT or whatever trip. It's like that, that fear of losing yourself, you know, it's like, it's, it feels the same. But maybe, maybe it's just the kind of like, yeah, is it the resistance that, you know, when it was particularly watching like those kind of like werewolf transformation sequences and it looks so painful you're hearing all the bones cracking, like mm -hmm. if you just went with it, like would it, it right. but, then just, but then you're <laughs> surrender, you're completely surrendering then to this dark side. And the other one that kind of right. for me was uh, 
John Carpenter's The Thing, which is one of my favorite. Oh yeah, horror, huge. Horror films. I just I just watched that again two days ago. It's like so good. It still, holds you, you, up. you cannot watch it enough. It's just impossible. It's, it's there's, amazing. There's, it's such a great film. But again, that the the, the things that freak me out in that are the this. It, this idea of, of lost identity, just absorbed identity mm-hmm. even. And, it's, right. and it plays out in such a visceral, freakish way in that film. Um, right. But yeah, I think like that, I mean, you're literally like kind of seeing the ego sucked out of somebody. Right, so I, right. Yeah, I mean, is, do, is, is, do you sort of have those have those experiences? Like the kind of, when you, if you have like, e, e, have experienced like ego death type stuff, does it ever... Do you feel like, like sort of shit? This is me sort of slipping away, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I think on just even on like a surface level, that horror movies are like and dark art, anything goth culture, all this stuff is really uh, they're 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 ways that we can externalize our fear and experience it in a safe way and kind mm. of deal with it, kind of face it, or at least get some a sense of mastery over it. Um, I went to uh, therapy in the nineties when I was, I was having trouble with like OCD and stuff because I, I had like my parents divorced when I was a kid, lots of bad shit happened and it, and it mm-hmm. traumatized me. I didn't realize it until it was coming out in these weird OCD things. So I went to therapy and uh, it was amazing. That was great. That was probably the other significant thing that happened in my life as far as like really changing me that and psychedelics. But um Uh, One thing my therapist said was that, or she kind of turned me on to this idea that by creating monsters when I was a kid was a a way for me to take things that I found frightening and then gain a sense of mastery over them Mm. through artwork. So it's like I was in control. I was creating the monster, you know, instead of the monster scaring me, it's like, okay, I'm going to be the one that makes the monsters and then I'm not going to feel so scared all the time. Cause I was like kind of one of those kids, like I was very shy. And, and um, so it's like, a, it was like a natural way that I just yeah. intuited. I, I think know, I was, you're kind of facing it down as part of doing that right. as well. Cause I think, you know, what a, a lot of kids do is, is instinctively kind of block these things. So it's, you know, it's always, it's something under the bed or in the cupboard right, that you don't, right. you don't want to face. So I think that's probably, yeah. It explains a lot about why you're so bold with, with these things because you, you chose just to sort of tackle it face on and sort of pers- yeah. you know, manifest them. Yeah, it was kind of, I think it was kind of a, uh, an, in, an intuited survival uh, thing, you know, like I had to, did not go crazy because I had so much anxiety and so much chaos was going around me. And I just felt so like out of control, like things, like I felt like everything around me was chaos and I was just, I would just like go inward and draw. Thank God I had that, you know, thank mm-hmm. God I had that. And what came out was monsters. So I, I, I feel like it, horror movies in general just function like that i mean aside from the you know you're talking like more nuanced kind of relating it to psychedelia where you know losing yourself which i think is totally legit but i think even on like a more basic level it's a way that people can people are afraid everybody's afraid you know we're all afraid of dying you know and it's gonna Mm -hmm. happen to everybody so it's like this like this weird kind of ritualized way of uh you know confronting our own fear in a way that's safe you're not going to die you know you're just yeah experiencing it in a movie but i do i do agree that you know there's there's a there's all kinds of parallels i think between horror and psychedelia you know particularly the thing is 
It's so psychedelic. I mean, it's so psychedelic. <laughs> well, I think a lot of a lot of John Carpenter's stuff is. I think yeah. the, the, the thing is, especially with these kind of, I'll say, with, with with that kind of absorbing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absorbing everything about people. I did want to ask you: Have you ever read the kind of the short story that somebody wrote as a kind of seek, as a as a side no. project to, to the thing? No, that? from the from the thing's point of view. I just it, found out about that like when I was watching the thing because every time I watch a movie, I, I go back and research it again, and, mm-hmm. and it, that came up, and I and I got it. I saved it. I just haven't read it yet. Yeah, it's, it's a cool it's, concept. It's it's really cool. the way it's written is very you know it's so alien the way it's written it's it's like it, from something that is completely inhuman so yeah d- definitely check it out <laughs> was it just gotta ask did, did you watch the thing again based on was it was it because of the recent thing on red letter media was that sort of do you watch that youtube channel at all uh oh it, yeah it may have been that it, uh, it was it came uh, oh no you know what it was it was i was on a I, i've been on a john carpenter kick again Right, because John Carpenter is one of my favorites. Like I've seen, you know, from Assault on Precinct Thirteen, I was renting that when I was like fourteen years old. Like these weird, obscure ones, like his old stuff. So I've just been a huge fan of him and his music, mm-hmm. and that's why I, I started. You know, I started watching a bunch uh, Assault on Precinct Thirteen again, and just John Carpenter videos and stuff about his music. And then I started yeah. watching the X bonus features from the thing, and then I was like, okay, I gotta watch the thing here. That's how gotta, that was the way. It I'll, went. I'll tell you one of, one of my favorite John Carpenter films, which is not on most people's favorite list, but it's it's got a special place in my heart because it scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. <laughs> and it's a uh, Prince of Darkness. Oh yeah, uh, I yep. I love that film, and it absolutely yeah. It, when I was first saw it as a kid, I had to leave the room. It just freaked me out so much. Yeah, it's got uh, some really scary parts in it. It's it's really super creepy. It's got a really creepy vibe. I love it. Yeah, the whole thing with the kind of um, the mirrors as a di- as like this kind of dimensional portal mm-hmm. and this kind of this um, sort of scientific explanation of evil right. and Satan, it got right in my head <laughs> as a kid. It was, uh, and then it, then it caused it's got all the same kind of body horror, you know, people's bodies yep. being taken over and stuff. So yeah, I, I, and I think the That's other thing with that one. one as well was the kind of the sci-fi element of you know yeah. messages being sent back from the future. Yeah, I love so. that. That's so creepy. That transmission with the guy in the doorway. That yeah, on yeah. video and it changes it's a little like, bit each time. It's I mean, yeah, yeah. Until it's her at the end. It's so creepy, so great. I love it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, recommendation because I, I don't think it's a hugely watched one. So if any of my audience is looking for a horror film, <laughs> go check out Prince of Darkness. So, but as I say that I, I always wonder if it's one of those ones that, that holds up because to me. Whenever I watch it, it still has that kind of right um, that thing. I think it's in that way. It's a bit kind of like a Escape from New York or something like that. So right, to me, yeah. that's like one of the greatest action films ever. But if yeah. I watch it objectively, it's not <laughs> totally. <laughs> that was is, a bu- <laughs> right. That was a budget issue, though. I really think it's same with you know any problems with Prince of Darkness. I think they're budget issues because he always mm-hmm. worked you know in low budget films, mm-hmm. and the, the thing was like I think his first big budget movie. And that thing bombed when it came out. It was a yeah, total which, bomb. It's crazy. It's it, incomprehensible. And the, the thing with uh, the thing, the thing with the thing, um, <laughs> the, the just the effects in that are in uh, insane. Just just uh, how they managed to do all those oh, things yeah. with practical effects. It and blows my mind. Not only that, so the guy that actually Rob Bottin was the guy. His name is Rob Bottin, who did the effects. Mm-hmm. And he did the effects in The Howling, and he was always like the guy I really wanted to work for. He was like, my, his aesthetic was like, I, I just think he's the best out of all of them. Um, 
And he was, I think, 22 when he did he did that film, wow. which is crazy. 22 years old. He's a genius, though. I mean, I, I know people I never got to work for him, but I know people that know him. And he is like he's he was like he was doing I worked for Rick Baker, who's amazing, too. He's oh, done, yeah. he's American legend. Werewolf. Yeah. yeah. And um, he was telling me about how he, uh, you know, he would see his art. He met him when he was like 13 or something or 14 when Rob was 13 or 14. And he would show him artwork that he'd done. And it was just like adult level drawings and stuff so the dude was like different you know he was prodigy kind of thing yeah 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 but um you know from speaking to tie this into psychedelics too <laughs> i wasn't working i didn't work on this film but it's kind of well known in the industry that a lot of those dudes were tripping while they were creating the effects <laughs> or coming up with the ideas <laughs> so that what is were they the, tripping on? <laughs> like acid. It was like, oh my god! Uh, psych- psychedelics, psychedelics. That's what that's what I heard. People were. That was, must be some dark trips to come up with like peel dog <laughs> dogs that peel their own faces <laughs> up and like what was wrong with that that batch of acid? <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> well, you know, it's like you know, you could set your intention to come up with crazy ideas for some project you're working on. I mean, I had. When I, I did it, I had a show called Ego Death. I did a show and the concept, an art show mm-hmm. concept was, uh, okay, I'm going to, basically I tripped and I was like, okay, set the intention. I need to, I need to, I have a show coming up in six months. What am I going to do? I don't know the, anything. I have no mm-hmm. concept. And, as, and within, as soon as I start feeling it, I turn the lights off, which is what I do when, when I trip is just total silence and darkness. And, and the word Ego Death the term ego death popped up and I was like, and it was sort of like ego death. All right. Now what, you know, like that was too easy. <laughs> so it's like, it came up with this term. And from that, I, I, uh, it was a divine, I felt it like a divinely inspired concept. I was like, Oh, that's a great title. Mm-hmm. Regardless of what I make the show mean, that's a great title. So how do I build the show around that? And it ended up being a, a, uh, all my creatures were representations of the ego basically. Mm. And um, uh, particularly like, you know, in an ego death situation where it's like, you know, the, the dying ego to, to uh, you know, release your true self. And so there are all these monsters and decaying and they're creepy and weird. And so that was just this loose concept. And then I made the show itself as a a funeral like it was a funeral and and the paintings were in the in the walls of a funeral home and i got i rented a coffin i kickstarted it so i had Mm -hmm. money to make this amazing show and i took this character that i've painted called black magic who is like a guy with a top hat and a gun and and a gas mask he's like this post-apocalyptic weird creepy guy Mm -hmm. who i thought represented the ego perfectly Mm -hmm. because he looks scary but he also looks scared there's something about so it's like you know that that fearful but like scary monster type guy and so i made it like a funeral for black magic this character and we did a eulogy i had this you know i made a guy up to uh, this actor friend of mine into like a horror those old cheesy horror movie hosts Mm -hmm. that used to host the the uh the uh the saturday saturday horror movie show weekend matinee stuff yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was like, we made a character for him. He was the undertaker, kind of, and he read the eulogy, and we did it up like a funeral, and uh, funeral for the ego. So it was kind of like basically just an artistic representation of this concept of ego death, not really, not saying anything one way or the other about it. It was just a show, an art show, uh, expressing this idea. 
And that came, that was a completely inspired, came completely inspired by psychedelics. And, and, you know, anybody maybe who isn't into dark art and stuff would be like, that's morbid. That's weird. That's kind of creepy, but it's like, I thought it was amazing. It was so cool, you know? And, and mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like, there's not that kind of, I don't know. There's not, I don't have that sort of judgment about dark stuff to me. It's just, it's either beautiful and cool or it's not beautiful and not cool. Yeah. yeah. I was, I was going to ask, like, is, is there this kind of this hard sort of line between there or is it, is it cause I, I would, I, I would kind of lean towards it's just art. It's art, which certainly there's a dark theme going on to it, but right. I think it's still, you know, art is art. And it's interesting when you, you mentioned around uh, the character with, with the gas mask, because when I was looking at some of the stuff, the, the kind of, um, the theme that I, I think I think I know the one that you're talking around that he's got a the gas mask and they're kind of like going a little bit like this mm-hmm. and yeah, that yeah, very much it. reminded me of like um sort of you know like um Victorian sort of plague doctors you know the sort of right. like the, the big long kind of mass that they were on kind of right right made, made me think like the gas mask is almost like a modern extension of of, of you know of, of the archetype of you know the, the sort of the cow you know it's like a soldier with a helmet on or, right. or a hat on and then the, the mask it's just such an iconic um, and sort of twisted thing of like <laughs> extending your face out, but like blocking the world out at the same time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. It's, 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 uh, yeah. All, all the stuff I paint is all in, in intuition. You know, I don't think like I'm trying to express even the ego death show. It's like, I don't think, how can I express ego death? It's like, I come up with the concept and I just, for a show and I just paint what I think, would look cool. And then what comes out comes out. And, and then I kind of, after the fact, I kind of realize what it means and, and I figure out how to link them, link them together. And, and almost, they, they almost always mean something deep and profound that I could have never thought up on my, on my own. So it's really, you know, art making is really cool in that way to where you, you it's a, it's like a, a, a way to tap into your psyche and yeah, I learn can, about I yourself, imagine. you know? Yeah, I suppose it's like a, it's a very kind of visual sort of form of, of journaling almost, you know, it's right. Uh, I, get, I mean, I, yeah, not, not to put what I do or not anywhere near on the same level as what you do, mate, but you know, it's, I, I, that's kind of what I do, or at least my mindset with what, when I make my videos, I'd sort of sit there and I'm, I'm trying to, I'll look at my own experiences and try and unpack them in the forms of telling the story about it or, mm-hmm. or just sort of letting my mouth run around it and sort of, and then a lot of the time as I'm, describing these things around my events i'm kind of hearing it myself for the first time even right. i experienced it it's like all oh, right yeah that that is what i think about that i just yeah well well I nice one, Rob. <laughs> yeah damn i'm smart i forgot how smart i was yeah, that was really good i'm ahead of it yeah no I, I totally know what you mean I, I i learned that too when i started teaching people i started doing painting classes and teaching people how to paint and it's like i didn't you know i didn't i was intuiting the whole thing you know, I was reading books and learning how to paint, but then when you go to teach someone, you have to like break down what you're doing and figure out a way to show them how. And, uh, and then you, and then you, you know, you're teaching people and then you, you say something that you didn't even know that you knew and Mm -hmm. it clicks. And it's like, Oh yeah, I read that like 10 years ago in a book and I didn't have any idea what they were talking about. (laughs) You know, and it's like, just kind of getting it out helps you to understand it. Yeah, yeah, for for sure. There's, there's a, one thing I wanted to uh, to sort of pick your brains a little bit because uh, someone I know that it's had an influence on you and certainly had an, an influence on me in a different way 
is uh, uh, Clive Barker, who's yeah. from from my neck of the woods in uh, north northwest England. It's, it's Clive yeah. Barker's from Liverpool. And oh, yeah, cool. just, yeah, just to give you a bit of background, like I was so deep into uh, Nightbreed and the book it came from, Cabal. Uh, actually, sorry, yeah, it was Cabal the book, um, and the whole sort of Hellraiser and just mm-hmm. Clive Barker's sort of thing. I was way with him. So I know that you you had a meeting with Clive Barker. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about what happened there and the sort of yeah, up? yeah. I worked on nightbreed for one day too really what, it was God, like yeah. what, what was your impact because honestly i was i lived and breathed that movie uh, <laughs> it was it wasn't a big deal it was one day of reshoots like they had shot the film and they needed a couple shots and one is um my boss tony gardner with his head cut off on a table and we had to do a makeup uh on his neck and then there was the scene at the very end where uh the killer is like up on a up yeah he's like tied up and they, they put like liquid into him and he, he reanimates him some yeah 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 and we did the makeup on that priest that day so it was like a day of filling but mm-hmm. so we didn't like have anything to do with it creatively really but it was still cool to say that you worked on that i got to work on nightbreed but um just as a as a, a side note but uh yeah so i worked the shot that the i worked for tony gardner this this effects guy for like 10 years and one of the projects that came around the shop was somehow he had some kind of working relationship with Clive, I think on Lord of illusions, because our shop, Mm -hmm. our shop, I didn't, I don't think I worked on it. I may have worked on something that I can't remember, but we did the, these melt the, the squid face guys that, that one, do you remember, do you remember Lord of illusions, the Clive Barker? (sighs) I don't know if I, I've saw, saw a lot of a lot of illusions. It's pretty cool. Oh. It's pretty cool, actually. It's about the magician. The magician. Mm-hmm. That's it's the story is amazing. It's from the books of blood. It's like one of my favorite stories from there. It's about like a magician, like a stage magician that actually is into the occult and like right. all these demons are coming trying to get him and blah blah. But uh, so we worked on this movie. So we had a re- working relationship on him with him, and um, he wanted to do a toy line. This is before like toys were a big thing it's like he was early on the dude was brilliant he was mm-hmm. really amazing um and he wanted to do it was an evil circus like an right. like a circus train and so that was his concept and we were going to sculpt them so we, we we you know we went to his house uh and you know he did sketches we sketched together it was totally amazing we went in the jacuzzi and he turned the, the red light on so it looked like blood was in the jacuzzi i mean how cool is that? of course he's gonna have you? That. <laughs> so he was really really a great guy and um so and then that project fell through because projects in hollywood fall through all the time but i still had his phone number and so uh, uh when i started getting out of a, trying to get out of effects i i knew i wanted to just get out of effects and then mm-hmm. i was into digital stuff and 3d animation i got into that for a while and i ended up doing like animations for tools live videos and stuff like that but i never really worked in the uh in the film world mm-hmm. with that i was kind of trying to start my own little business doing whatever 3d animation and stuff so i got the nerve up to call clive i was so nervous and i cuz i had a, a a VHS reel of the stuff I had done, which was basically a bunch of art, weird art looping animations, like dark, like my paintings kind of, but 3D mm-hmm. and looping on an endless loop because I thought that was cool. And um, so I sent, so I called him. I said, can I send you this? Do you, oh, I sent him the VHS and then I called him and said, do you have a, 
any work for me maybe you know do you have any projects that i could do effects on and he's like can you call me tomorrow this is martin luther king day and we don't work on martin luther king day that was like <laughs> oh my god i was so embarrassed you heathen so, <laughs> it's like i was working that day because we were on this tight deadline and i felt like just oh it was so embarrassing anyway i call him the next day he was super cool super mm-hmm. cool and he said no I don't have any work for you, but I think you should, uh, you know, you have a vision here. You know, I think you should pursue your fine, your own fine art, which was like, wow. Uh, I didn't even think of that. I was so, I was kind of from age 18 or 19. I was like institutionalized by as being a service as my art being a service to someone else and not doing my own thing. And so it was kind of like, okay, well, if Clive Barker tells you, you should be a fine artist, you know, man, I, I what should... a fucking validation that is, mate. <laughs> yeah, that, right. that, that's a stamp of approval, man. <laughs> right. And uh, and it's like it's funny though because around that time I was starting to get sick of effects because I was trying to get out and get into something else, and I thought that was digital effects. Uh, turned out that was more of the same. So, but I was thinking about it. It's, mm. So it's like it was one piece. My friend Adam from uh, the band Tool as well. He was like he hired me to work on effects and stuff, and I remember him telling me. Uh, he really liked my paint jobs on the creatures I did. Like, mm-hmm. And so it got me thinking again, it's like, maybe I could be a painter, you know, just like a traditional painter. So there was that. And I was just getting into the kind of underground art scene. And, and that was just one of the the major, major uh, moments that made me go, okay, maybe I can do this. Maybe I can try it. And then on uh, Planet of the Apes, I was in the, I was working on set and, uh, repairing gorilla chimp gloves that got beat up the so boring 12 hours in a trailer with nothing to do every four hours they're doing a big fight scene they bring a bunch of sweaty ass gloves <laughs> chimp gloves that all the paints worn off and then you have to touch them up and make them look nice <laughs> and send them back out it was super boring but you know great pay it was you know that's how effects effects job is being on set and so i painted a little painting Cause I had all these paints for these chimp gloves and I was like, okay, if I could paint a painting here in this trailer, maybe I can give it a shot. And I painted this painting. I was like, Oh, that's, it's good. I, I can do it. So I, so then it was like, okay, I'm going to be a painter. I'm going to do this, be a fine artist. And then I just started trying to learn, teach myself how to paint and get in shows. And it just kind of went from there. And then after about seven years working in effects and trying to get a career going and getting in shows i was able to leave after about seven years and i've got to say man that, those, this it, it, you kind of you just reeling it all off but it's what a fucking incredible life i mean i, 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 I just want to recap for the audience just in case they're kind of they're missing anything so yeah you come you come out of school to work in in like you know in like you know hollywood which i think for more well for has this perception of being like the dream industry working on all these like amazingly creative films just doing the most insanely bonkers <laughs> like, <laughs> like stuff for a job meeting you know these all, all these people and then yeah you know i, I mean we'll, we'll come back to some but working with the band tool who were just one of the most highly revered <laughs> sort of art, uh, like music artists ever and yeah we'll definitely un- unpack some, <laughs> some of that in, in a moment and then and then yeah and then sort of to to then transition into you know what I, I guess is like your kind of your life's work really this is you know what your right. your, your main love it's it's really incredible yeah. man. And I've, I've, I've got to yeah. you know, just 
tip my hat for, to, to anyone oh, who has the, I, yeah, I, I, you know, I don't even know what to call it, but just the ability to to shape their life in that way. That is something, you know, that's something that they want to do. I think it's it's uh, it's inspirational, mate. It really oh, is. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, the, uh, this, I think it was 20, 2012, This guy contacted me about. I, I, I'll send you it if you have a DVD player. <laughs> Cause uh, this guy made a documentary about me. It's like, it's, and it came out really good. And we yeah, can't yeah, I've, I've still got my yeah, PlayStation. I can, I can, stay, I okay, can play cool, cool. I'll send it. I'll send it to you. Uh, you can get it streaming and stuff too on um, Apple, mm-hmm. uh, Apple, whatever uh, iTunes. Um, but, but yeah, I'll send you it anyway. So when he first hit me up, I didn't know him. He's like, I want to make a documentary about you. And he hadn't, made a documentary since film school 10 years ago it was like he had a dream mm-hmm. he had a dream that he was making a documentary about me he's like what the hell it's mike Carell, is a good friend of mine now um who also wrote he's a great writer he wrote all the text from my dystopia book but that, that's you can talk about that later if you want but um he he came to me and he's like yeah i want to do a, a documentary about you and i was like it's going to be boring. My life is boring. <laughs> and, uh, no. And I it really, honestly, you know, you know how it is. It's like you grow up and you just take everything for granted. Mm-hmm. And so he made this documentary over a, a few years and it was like, after it was done, I was like, holy shit. I didn't realize I have had a really weird, interesting life. <laughs> it was weird. It was, and it was like, how could I not have seen that? It's just like, I, and this is like so much other weird shit happened it's like it's seriously you'll see the documentary and you'll be like wow (laughs) like other crazy crazy shit happened uh it's it's so yeah i'm very fortunate and and grateful every day i think i think it's 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 the thing is like life kind of happens to you and and i think it's right you know i I think for a lot of people when you you can sort of you know you don't think of yourself as anything kind of special or anything. You're just kind of blundering through it. Exactly. And it's like, yeah. Oh, well, yeah, that, that's what happened to me. You know, <laughs> it, was, it, it was a Tuesday or whatever, as, as I yeah, dissolve people in the blob. Or <laughs> yeah, totally. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. I, I got to say what the, 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 maybe not. Yeah. Oh, go well, for it. Go the, for it, dude. I'll, on the blob this dude i won't mention his name he were he was working on the on the blob with me he was like a runner guy he had kind of an art background but he wasn't really an effects guy he's a new york underground filmmaker that was out in la and he was the first person that gave me some ecstasy because i think he was selling it and so the first time i tried ecstasy was on the blob <laughs> working on the blob. I never did drugs or anything during work hours. I'm, I'm very responsible. Mm-hmm. You know, I got a family. I've been married 30 something years, I got kids. Uh, but that night it was like an all nighter because something had to get done. It was for the, uh, I don't know if you remember the movie, but there's the, the guy with the yo-yo on the, 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 the movie that he's up on the ceiling, the guy, the movie projectionist he's yeah, up yeah. on the ceiling. And then a yo-yo comes down and it's, there it was that effect. And we all had to pull together and work all night. And so this guy gave me this ecstasy. And I was like, it was around that time where, where I was starting to under, you know, do psychedelics. And so I was really interested. So I took it and I remember, and I was figuring, I don't know what I was thinking. It was pretty stupid <laughs> to do that. But I remember like 
I was holding my jar of paint and I was going to go paint some stuff on the blob. And I turned and looked and there was paint splattered all over the floor. Like I turned, I just went like this with the paint to go walk over here. And then I look and splattered everything. So I probably was like, oh, you know, just like spilling it everywhere. And uh, I, I, uh, I, I was like, okay, I gotta go sit in the car. So I went outside at night in Hollywood. It's kind of this crappy area off Hollywood Boulevard. And I just had this amazing experience where I was just like, I, it was one another amazing like spiritual experience where mm -hmm. I just, you know, had a, this voice was just telling me that about love and, you know, it yeah. was not just a, it was not like, you know, it's, I still find it weird that ecstasy or, or whatever they call it nowadays, it's, is, is an amphetamine or, or something, I guess. Yeah. It's based, based it, yeah, it's got amphetamine based to it. And, and it's, I, I, I would completely agree with you, mate. I, for me, MDMA was one of the most kind of transformative yeah, experiences was, I, I ever had. And I, I had it, I think the first time I had it, I was like 16, I think. And wow. again, my, my older brother, uh, pretty, pretty much all, <laughs> all the events in my life, you can trace back in some way to my older brother. But um, yeah, he just kind of, he was, because uh, he was all, he was in like into the nightclub scene and stuff. And he just came back when I said, he said, bro, you just try this. And he just put something <laughs> in my hand. And I, yeah, I did it with my girlfriend at the time. And I'd already, and at this point, I'd already done acid and smoked weed and stuff. I'd, I got mm -hmm. into stuff way, way too early. Right. Um, but yeah, then suddenly, like this entire vocabulary of emotion just came online. Where I was like, I was like, sat there in my cup, like, holy shit, I, I love you. And not only do I can I tell you I love you, I know what that means. Right. Now. Right. I, right. I, and I love, and I, Jesus Christ, I feel amazing. Like, <laughs> what the fuck is going on? It's, <laughs> It's so, yeah, it cannot be uh, undivided, I think. Like, yeah, well, yeah. It's, it's, it's spectacular. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I had, uh, uh, I, the reason I was even, even going to bring that up is because the guy who gave it to me, his claim to fame was he was the guy who gave the butthole surfers, their, the band, the butthole surfers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, then. He, he, gave, he gave them ecstasy for the first time. This is his claim to fame. <laughs> he was a cool guy. He was all into magic and uh, you know, called. He was, he was a trip. He was, he was a cool dude. Um, but, uh, the thing that tripped me out from that trip, from, from, uh, taking that was, I was like, oh, this feels exactly like when I was 12 years old and I had this out of body experience, just sleeping and I was floating around my room and I felt like, oh, this is what it's like when you die. This is how I really am. It was like me without anything else, without mm -hmm. any fear, anxiety. It was like just pure me, pure chat consciousness floating around and i was like ah oh, i don't have to be afraid of dying anymore this is great you know like this is what it's like and when i took ecstasy i was like oh that feels exactly like that out of body i had mm -hmm. and it was and it you know kind of made makes sense that it's uh, maybe it doesn't make sense but it seems like it, there was no difference in the feeling it was seems like it seems like it'd be a funny choice for something to to take for for like a an all-night shoot though because every time yeah, I well, no, it, it wasn't it, yeah it wasn't shooting it, it was in the shop making oh, okay. the effects so it was still like i said it was stupid i shouldn't have done it but it ended up being you know it was like we were there not i don't even think getting paid for it it was like everyone just pitching it yeah, so i felt it. like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yolo let's do it i was gonna say every time i take ecstasy i'm just i just end up like yeah sucking on the corner of a cushion just like uh, <laughs> like yeah just just completely yeah i'm not doing any work for the next yeah, four yeah. hours it ended up being like i i 
I uh, didn't do anything for a while, just kind of hit, hit away and then came, <laughs> came back when I was coming down and then it was all good. I didn't even tell anybody, I don't think that, that, that was working with me. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> so so let's, get, let's get into the, the tool stuff then. So how, how did you come, come around that you're working with those guys? Totally weird. Again, uh, Adam Jones, the guitar player, yeah. the guy who direct, directs the video. He's kind of like the visual mm-hmm. guy of the band too. Um, he used to work in effects. He worked on Jurassic Park and no way. I didn't know. Yeah, that. yeah. So we're so he worked at the shop I was working at just randomly. Um, and we met and we were both into like weird music underground, kind of punk music. So this, this is, is like while he's, he's already in the band, is he at this point? No, 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 no. Okay. He was before the band. And um he introduced me to Cam DeLeon, who was uh, we became friends because we had like we just like we have a similar aesthetic, we like the same directors you know david lynch john carpenter horror movies um we like a lot of the same kind of music weird underground music and punk rock and stuff like that and um uh so we just became friends and he was all he always tell he, you know talk about me i was in a band too i was trying to start a band like i was in a band for like 10 years and we break up and at that we all point, were mate was, we all were <laughs> <laughs> right yeah <laughs> totally and so uh i we got to you know music was the big thing one of the big things between us so he was i remember him telling me yeah it's like i want to start a band i want to start a band called mother i remember him telling me that and i was like yeah cool so let's jam so we went and jammed we actually played yeah yeah and i was like and it's funny because i was very i wanted to start my band and and he was like so it's like we were kind of he would play some of his riffs, which ended up being like some of them were like tool songs mm-hmm. that ended up being tool songs. And then I would play my riff and we would jam on one of my songs. And it was one of those things that, you know, I you never know, but I could have probably I was so intent on doing my band. Yeah, and it was different style of music than what tool is and um, more melodic and stuff. And uh and it was funny just because it was like a total ego trip on my part that I would never have joined someone else's thing, even though, you know, look, Tool's fucking amazing. You'd be lucky to be in a band like that. But I was more like, so we didn't get, basically, we didn't really form a band. I, so we just jammed, though. And we just were became friends. And um, and then he went away, left the business, started Tool, you know, it got huge. And then he hit me up um, years later on the uh, Anima album and asked me if I wanted to help do some makeups on this uh, stink fist video for mm-hmm. like a few, just a few days of fill in kind of helping Cam DeLeon, the guy who um, did the album artwork and album cover stuff and uh, the body makeups, just helping him airbrush these um, actors and doing a few random effects just like fill in work i did this tumor thing at the end of the video there's like mm-hmm. this weird tumor on yeah. this dude's back whispers in his ears i did that i sculpted that and painted it and stuff and uh so then we just then you know we were back in contact and we were friendly and i um showed, showed him this th- st- 3d animation i did um which is one of the ones that clive that i showed clive mm-hmm. and he was like hey can we use that for our live shows and i was like yeah sure you know, because it looped, so it's perfect. I was just doing these animations 
because they they seemed like it'd be cool to do an animated painting yeah. like an image that just loops endlessly which is a, a gift now it's not a big deal but at the time <laughs> this is like 98 you like, <laughs> this is revolutionary i did a d you know i did a dvd of these things too and it was just like before nfts it's like i was too early um i'm always like either too early or too late uh but um so then they started using my animation stuff and then they called me back to work on the anima video and then the schism video mm -hmm. and i did so i keyed the effects for that like i got the crew together and, and did all the effects for those amazing probably my probably the, the schism video is probably i think the thing i'm most proud of out of any of the movies i worked on because it's just it was so much stuff and it was so cool and it's yeah that is that is a good such a cool Super. video that is and so creative and just working with him is like him and i just like click creatively it's like mm -hmm. really fun you get you you know how it is when you click with someone on on a creative level it's just like it, it was it's always really fun so then i just kept you know i'd work i did uh some stuff for the vicarious video which was like a cg video they did later and did some posters recently for their concerts and just t-shirt designs random things you know just stuff just stuff with Joel. <laughs> just stuff with one of the one of the fucking highly regarded bands in the world just, yeah you know little <laughs> i know i was thinking yeah i was i was thinking that the other day that i was watching that i don't know if you know them that well but there's a song called anima and it's oh, like yeah. about yeah it's like to me i was just like it's hard for me to get into them like really be a fan because i know them and mm. i know him and it, it's it's weird it's like liking not that i'm a part of the music in any way but it's almost like liking your own band if you're in a band, it's like you can't have the same relationship with something you're that close with when you kind of know how the sausage is made. So, but I, but I still like think they're amazing. They're amazing. <clears throat> and I was listening to Anima the other day and it's just like, the song is such an amazing masterpiece. And it's like, how lucky am I that, that I, I worked on this video of this song that like is a masterpiece. It's like a, you know, it's all about, you know, living in LA, you can just totally relate to it because it's mm -hmm. all about. I love just the the how he's calling out all the bullshit of LA. It's just amazing. I just think it's a great song, and so I was just like, "Wow, I'm so lucky." It's so an interesting, really interesting point though, because like, yeah, when when you particularly when you have like a band like sort of uh, like Tool or well, uh, even a lot of the kind of music of, of a similar kind of era, they there's so much performance and so much persona in it that it, it kind of it elevates it into something right. else, something else but then if you know the guy you know <laughs> then i don't know it's kind of I, I've, I've it's almost like you've got a, an advantage of not knowing them because it allows you to sort cool. of yeah yeah to, to, for sure to put the, this yeah. whole kind of um mythology around them I guess. right right this is yeah this is like but this is kind of something i've i've thought about for a long time because working in the when you work in a movie you realize that these are just dudes, the actors, Liam Neeson. I worked with Liam Neeson on dark man told just a dude joking. Take around. the fucking elephant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like farting and making jokes. It's like every, you just realize when you're on a movie set that, that fame is just, it's not real. It's bullshit. It really is like, what about the actual the movie itself? Did you can, are you like able to to watch the stuff that you worked on and sort of like take it in, or, or even or even just like movies in general? Are you always like dissecting them? Like I know I did that. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Effect stuff, definitely. It's hard. It's hard to not look at an effect and think 
oh, I know how they did that, you yeah. know, but I, I still, I love movies. That's, I love, love movies. I'm a huge movie fan. So I can definitely still watch a movie. Like I've always watched movies, uh, movies I've worked on. It's harder though, because especially when you were there and watching them shoot it, you're like, Oh, that's weird. It's so weird to see it when I was standing over here mm-hmm. on the other side of the camera, watching them shoot that, you know, it's just a, it's so, so it is kind of hard. Um, but I don't know, like I said, that like the tool videos, I can watch those and appreciate them. Like I didn't work on them. Um, and you know, some movies, most of the movies I worked on though, I just, they sucked. Just to, just to pick. <laughs> there's some bad, there's so oh. many bad ones. Well, we'll come back to that next up. <laughs> but just in regards to, in regards to the, the tool videos, like they, I mean, they are so fucking weird. I mean, I mean they're like awesomely yeah. weird. It, it, is there is there like a kind of a, a storyboard to them? Like, is there is there a narrative that's trying to be achieved? Like, and it's, it's like, I mean, if you, take, if you take something like the, say like the schism uh, video, um, yeah, I, I I just kind of watch that as like a sort of like dark fever dream kind of, <laughs> but it is, 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 is there something kind of there where it's like, the, it's, it's, it, this is happening and then this is happening or are they just trying to put like weird stuff together that fits the music or? Yeah, I, you know, I can't, that's Adam's domain. I, 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 you know, as far as I know, my impression is, you know, he's, he's got a loose narrative, basic mm-hmm. concept that, that he's, and he's, and he kind of tries to come up with, I can't say for sure, but this is my impression. Like I said, I think he's maybe tries to come up with uh, interesting scenes that kind of express fit loosely in that narrative of just yeah. the overall theme. It's very, he's very like, I think he's very intuitive, like a feeling kind of artist, kind of the same way I am, where it's just like, you're, you kind of part of the process is not knowing where it's going or what you're doing. And I, but I, but he does have kind of like a, you know, it's mapped out to a certain degree. I think, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, uh, but so, th- you know, by the time you're shooting a video, there's shot lists, there's this gag, this gag, everything has to be built ahead of time, you know? Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I don't know for sure. I can't really speak for him, but maybe, I do maybe think- it's something like what, what you're saying earlier, you know, we are saying about, yeah, he just does it and like, Oh, fucking hell. Yeah. That, that turned out pretty good. <laughs> right. And I, I think that happens, you know, a lot of filmmakers do that, especially guys like David Lynch too. You know, I love David Lynch. Yeah. Amazing. And a lot of stuff he'll just, do on the fly I, I know even the uh george romero which is another you know dawn of the dead and night of the living dead the original one that was like my big amazing movie i saw that when i was too young when i was five so that's like my movie mm-hmm. um but a lot of that stuff they kind of made it up on the spot and it's yeah. you know some of the coolest stuff or just things that you do on the fly you know so there's an, there's a kind of like a improvisational aspect well lynch a talks of, a lot about that a, a sort of doing something which sort of capture, captures a feeling rather than a, a sort of a narrative it's it's right. uh, he, he just felt he had to do it and then he'll kind of almost work out what to do with it later and i think there was there was one of his movies which i think was was it inland empire which i think he's just entirely composed of, of stuff like that which just yeah. narratively the movie makes no sense, no sense <laughs> at all but it leaves you kind of deeply unnerved right, it's, it's right. the one with all the rabbit the rabbit family yeah or something. yeah 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 super weird i love that stuff yeah well, yeah think- if you go in you know if you go in knowing it's not i i've seen a lot of his films twice 
first time expecting like as a narrative like in Blue Velvet because mm-hmm. that has a that's why I think For that sure, was yeah. such a popular film because it's got a narrative you can follow, and then um, but some of the other ones don't quite have the narrative. Mm-hmm. The second time I watched it, knowing I forget which one it was, knowing um, that there was not really a narrative, I was able to really enjoy it more because it's like okay, I'm not expecting anything other than just total David Lynch weirdness, mm-hmm. and then it's like oh yeah, it works on that level for sure. And I, I, I like it as well when he, when he puts the two together. So, I mean, the, the classic there is Twin Peaks because, you know, you, you yeah. can watch it as, as a soap opera, but then, yeah, when it gets weird, it's just, it's <laughs> just, yeah, disturbingly weird, but it kind of, you, you can fit it together into this this bigger narrative, all, right. the, all the Red Room stuff and the, those last few episodes. It's so awesome. Cool. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. He's a genius too. So, so tell us about some of the, some of these shit <laughs> these shit movies that you worked on then the, the the bad ones. What? Oh god! Let's throw uh, some, some let's throw some things under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> well, Planet of the Apes is a good one. So this as is the Tim, big, the Tim Burton one that you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I just you know I I I didn't think I just thought it sucked. I just thought it sucked. I mean I I love the first one, so mm-hmm. maybe that was part of it, but come on. I mean, did you see it? Did you? Oh, like oh it? god, yeah, I, I saw it, and I. I I thought yeah as a movie I thought it sucked, but I thought it was saved. I thought I thought the thing that made it worth watching was uh, Tim Roth as a as general. Oh Fade. yeah, like there were some he, yeah that, yeah that there were some great performances. Fucking terrifying. And, <laughs> no no it was like yeah the there was some great Paul Giamatti you know there were some great mm-hmm. performances great makeups the makeups were awesome yeah yeah. Um, Amazing costume design sets were incredible. I'm in it too, actually. I forgot to tell you. I'm an orangutan. Check this out. How many people can say that? It gets better. <laughs> There's a pant where uh, Marky Mark or Mark Wahlberg, he's going, he, he's in his little like getting, get, he's in the, the cage in a wagon getting pulled by. There's one shot where he's kind of looking at everything and there's Rick Baker is a chimp. Uh-huh. smoking a hookah pipe and i'm an orangutan on the other side lighting it and and so i'm lighting his bong basically and he's smoking going like, Ooh, like blowing smoke i'm, I'm, I'm gonna see it. if i can get the i'm gonna i'm gonna edit that footage in, into this, this i have it i have it i have it clipped out if you want to if you want it <laughs> we've got, we got to show it We're not. it's it's hilarious that's amazing i'm getting rick baker stone and planet of the apes <laughs> <laughs> and then another shot i'm like really small in the background as the as the fruit vendor but uh, yeah it's like everything was good i think except the script maybe you know and then it's yeah. like the script is everything in a movie you know so i was really disappointed in that and the haunted mansion was i thought horrible i worked on that so I, I don't think i've seen that one is that eddie, eddie murphy oh the, eddie murphy yeah uh, I, I, Sucked, sucked so bad i mean we did these amazing zombies that's what mm. i worked on and they were and i was a ghost in it too which was but you barely see me in the graveyard um so it's just was as far as big budget movies you know there's a lot of, uh there's a lot of bad low budget movies that you probably never heard of called like blood salvage and sundown is another one it was pretty bad i've worked mostly you know more bad than good really so it's interesting you mentioned, you mentioned at the beginning that you, I think your first movie you, you came over to Italy for because there, mm-hmm. there used to be like a big horror scene in Italy. I don't know if it's still still there, but I remember like a lot a lot of movies that oh, yeah. scared the piss out of me when I was a kid. Uh, in the in in the UK they're called like De- uh, Demons the Demons series. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I yeah. think it's called Demonia or something like that in Italy. But and they were like 
again, almost, or at least as I remember them, like ultra practical effects, just, just, mm-hmm. just horrible oh, monsters, yeah. puss exploding everywhere <laughs> and people having their yeah. throats ripped out. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if that kind of, that element of Italian cinema sort of died down, but it used to be, that was a, a lot of the stuff that was on the shelf in, oh, in yeah. the UK was, was just, Italian stuff dubbed into English. Oh, I love, yeah, I love, I love all that stuff. Zombies, like Lucio Fulci. Zombie <laughs> is one of my favorite movies. Zombie movies, it's so great. Uh, what's the other one? He did a bunch of amazing, like bad, amazing, bad in a lot of ways, but just they have that charm of that yeah, era, yeah. you know. So they're just great, even though they they're kind of bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think like someone was so over the top. I remember. I think it's one of the demons. Someone's a guy. Mm-hmm. I think it, it ends with a guy driving around a movie theater with a on a motorcycle with right. a samurai sword, <laughs> just chopping up these monsters. And then, yeah, it's it's like okay, it's, you you just just do whatever you want, dude. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. As long as you can buy into the reality they're setting up, you can enjoy the film. You know. So what's what's the kind of is, is there any more recent films like that kind of that resonate with you like the from the, from the horror side of things? Did you think? Because I think there's a perception that like a lot. All the pretty much all the films that we've, we've talked about are kind of these 80s, 90s sort of films. Right. Like, and then I think it's since the explosion or, and the availability of of reasonable CGI, it, I think horror has taken a bit of a nosedive. But have, have you seen anything which is you think still flies a flag for it? Well, I thought Hereditary was really, yeah, yeah, yeah. good and scary and well made. Uh... In a very unusual, unusual yeah. way as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, super creepy. I, I, I like that. Um, but that, that's not even that recent now, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's when, it's when you get an old mate, I think the old blows It's like talking about I, movies I, that are ten years old. I feel that's old. still recent, is it? Is it not? I don't know. It was. It's the, it's the last one. I, oh, I think it's, I think it's the last one. I, the most recent one I saw that I thought, oh, that's a good horror movie. Mm. um there was that one it follows i thought that that didn't get that much love but i thought that was a really cool creepy weird horror movie but you know it's i'm still waiting i'm still waiting for some i saw one a a while ago which i i really got into um which was um the color out of space um oh i haven't seen i still haven't seen that one yet i I would check that one out that really ticked ticked the boxes for me with that very yeah that kind of 80s vibe and it it also it ticked my boxes this kind of body horror things happening completely like beyond comprehension it just absolutely kind of absolutely nailed that vibe of um yeah, whatever's going on, you are just you are just the plaything of forces be completely beyond right. your control here now. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's pretty freaking, and it kind of it's one of the roles where it kind of suits Nicolas Cage because he he just does his usual over the top thing, but because it's right. supposed to be in a world that's going bananas, it's uh, it it fits really well. So I definitely re- recommend checking I'll, that yeah. one. Yeah, I'll, I'll def I've been planning on watching that since it came out, and it's just like you know I don't have I don't have a lot of time to watch movies anymore because I'm always working. You know, it's because it's hard to make a living as an artist so what i usually do is i put them on i got a tv next to my easel while i'm painting i'll put movies on that's the only time i really get to watch them um but i like that that other one too and that's a kind of psychedelic it's got a psychedelic element mandy did you see oh yeah mandy? yeah and that's well, like that got some major tripping in that <laughs> well yeah i mean that's yeah that, i'd say mandy is like yeah the color of the space sort of, sort of combined with like john wick or something isn't it it's right. just uh, it's yeah i mean that's just similarly bonkers but 
I, I think they, they, I, I said they're quite similar in that way, Mandy and Colorado Space, because again, Mandy is, is also relies a lot on just these very supernatural color filters coming through. Everything's right. filmed in like like reds yeah, and yeah. purples and pinks yep. and stuff. And so, yeah, it is very very cyclic filming. Plus, I think I think there is a bit where they're, they're tripping out on it, isn't there? With like yeah, yeah. And- <laughs> it's great. Yeah, there was a. It's it's funny that that color scheme is like a. It's a kind of a thing. I, I worked on a movie called Bliss recently, or now, not recently. <laughs> Again, uh, a few years ago, like a low budget vampire film um, with that has to do with trippy. It's like trippy drugs too, which is mm-hmm. weird. But it it uh, used that kind of color scheme as well it's 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 a cool weird it's a cool movie because it's like a mixture of art it looks like an art house movie yeah and, but also like a trashy exploitation film from the 80s or 70s so it's like this cool kind of a cool mix of that um but i did a painting for it so so i was able to work in the i got a title card for the first time too like an up front wow. instead of being instead of being at the back in the crew after craft services, <laughs> which is where usually effects back in the day, they'd put you at the very bottom. But um, I did a painting for it because she's a painter. It's this character that's a painter and she ends up taking this new kind of drug. That's like, what do they call it? A combination of DMT and crack or something. <laughs> and it basically <laughs> <laughs> turns her into like a vampire and uh, she kills a bunch of people. So there's a lot of like ripping people's heads off and blood. It's, it's, an insane movie but it kind of uses that that color style too that kind of blues and reds and purples it's, it's quite um, disconcerting as well though. when when you see it used in things like well light and mandy like color space mm-hmm. or like what you're describing it, it's yeah it's I, it's a very um yeah i i, I think it, it yeah it does <laughs> it, it really it, it really taps into that sort of feeling of like something mm-hmm. is not right here it's uh yeah i i, I i'm it's kind of cool just to see just, just by using kind of light in that way, how it can sort of right. evoke such a, yeah, such right. a kind of sense of foreboding. Well, but you remember in creep show too, the original creep show, how they did that on some of the kill scenes, they'd have like a red light and a green light. And then that weird kind of uh, the back, like a background, a panel of a comic book. This is like in the eighties. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Was that, was that the one that we had Stephen King in it? Yeah. 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 And he was again taken over and... by, by like a moth. <laughs> creature yeah yeah <laughs> that was great but i, yeah, I used to I, I used to love all, all those kind of those kind of compilation uh type things of the 80s like uh, uh creep show and uh and the twilight mm-hmm. zone remake i yeah watched a lot of that stuff as, as a kid tales from the crypt keeper you know we, we used to get that sort of the, oh, on, yeah. on drip coming over into the uk so well yeah. I, I i the stuff i really love like even now and that's because I saw them when I was a kid, when they were on TV, or all the British horror movies from the 70s and late 60s. Um, not Hammer, but another this other company called Amicus. Amicus it's like the, the Quatermass stuff. That and- nah, that's kind of in there, but but more the there's they did anthology series uh, movies like Tales from the Crypt from 1970. I think mm-hmm. they did the you know it's like they used they based it on the comic. And it's great. It's so great. And uh, there's a movie called Asylum and they're all like different stories with a single, you know, thing stringing them together, but they're horror stories. They're so great. Uh, Dr. Terror's House of Horrors. Mm-hmm. There's like a whole, whole bunch of just these badass 70s. I just love that era of, of, of 
just these amicus films are just like they make me feel happy i don't know they're worth checking out oh that's a good i don't think i think british probably probably gone to merida or maybe i've maybe i've just kind of don't remember it's it's, it's like a an entire sort of like horror universe is it kind of it's like they this film company amicus came out and they did they were competing with hammer you know because mm. hammer was the big horror yeah dracula but, and all yeah mm. they but they did gothic stuff and then amicus did stuff that was like set in present day mm-hmm. and and more like f- fucked up and a little more like grittier and creepier and weirder so so uh there's there's so many there's, there's like there's like 10 of them or something these films oh, wow, beyond, from beyond the grave um is a really good one from beyond the grave i think it's called yeah, or Beyond the Grave. Yeah, I'll send you some links. They're really mm. great. A lot of them the, are on YouTube. Too. Another one, just just while it's, while it's on another sort of recentish, um, re- I say recentish. Uh, I think it's probably a few years old now. But there was a, <laughs> a film called the, the Void. Um, oh yeah, the was, Void was good. Yeah, and again, I'd, anything with that kind of cosmic horror vibe to it, yeah. I absolutely love. And I, I thought that was a yeah, absolutely nailed it in terms of yeah. just, just weirdness, especially the ending, and it just. It just reminded me so much of like a DMT trip, just on this this otherworldly planet. And I think there's like five, you know, all, right. these, all these ring planets are in the sky. It's like, oh shit, we are so far <laughs> from home here. Like this is, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was that was that was a good one, and it totally had that '80s vibe too. You know, it was like the throwback. I love that. that, yeah, that yeah. great era of uh, horror movies. So tell us, tell us a bit about what, what is it you you're up to now with your your, your book project and sort of oh, the yeah. work that you're doing now. Um, I just had a, I, I just had a show, um, called chaos, um, which was, uh, at Copro gallery. That was the last big thing I did, but I have this book called dystopia, which is kind of like a mythologizing of all the paintings I've done over the last 15 or 20 years. And it's a field guide, basically. It's kind of like a, a national geographic field guide to, you know, Africa or something. Hitchhiker's <laughs> Guide to, to Monstrosity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually kind of based on this book, I, uh, inspired by this book called Barlow's Guide to Extraterrestrials from um, probably like 1978 or 79. And it was, he took like famous, he's an, a great painter, mm. really amazing, um, Wayne Barlow. He, he I've worked with him on the Hellboy movies as, as a designer and stuff now. So it was another cool thing to work with like a guy who I had his book when I was 12 years old oh my god but he did a book where he took like the thing creature from the original thing yeah yeah from another like planet 50, yeah, 50 yeah, yeah. yeah 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 and he like drew that and talked about like where it lived where it's from what its habits are and he basically famous aliens from different movies from like the 50s 60s and 70s and he cool. treated it like it was a guidebook where they're from, how they reproduce, what they eat, blah, blah. And I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. And um, so I, I thought, you know, people kept telling me my paintings looked like, uh, like they were all in one world mm. and, and, and the people seemed related, you know, it was all it seemed like it took place in this kind of dimension in a way, which I never thought about because I was just painting for the, just to make cool shit, you know? And um so then I, uh, the guy, Mike Carell, the guy who directed the documentary about me, um, I like to paint monsters, that's what it's called. Uh, he is a writer, first and foremost. He's a really good writer. And uh, he's written all these short stories and stuff. So he basically, we decided to try and do this and did a Kickstarter um, to raise the money for it. And 
the process since the since there wasn't a story he interviewed me about every single painting I had done and I would tell him what I knew about the painting mm-hmm. and then what I didn't know we just you know some things I was like I have no idea what that is I painted <laughs> it but I don't know what it means on the other hand this guy over here I feel like they're talking about something they're making some kind of secret deal like I knew that intuitively and it wasn't my intention mm-hmm. so there was all these little clues in there but I and I knew when I when I knew I knew I was like yeah that's what's happening there so he wrote all that down and it's like compiled it and then we realized there's a whole like society and there's a class system and there's p- bad guys and there's good guys it's, it was crazy it was weird it was like reverse engineering uh a, a world you know instead mm-hmm. of coming up with cool ideas it's like okay I, you know paintings are the best way i get ideas out if i is you know rather than intellectualizing something and then you know, coming up with it that way. It was like kind of backwards. It's like, whatever is in the painting is real. Whatever I know about the painting is real in this reality. So then we compiled a whole guidebook basically and figured out the class system, the types, the different regions of the world and uh, only including the stuff I was 100% sure about and um, then made it into a book and it's five years late. (laughs) It was supposed to be, (laughs) oh man, I got lucky that so what, what were some of the challenges there then that sort of that, that it was you know it it got off track early on because i overcommitted to rewards uh is one thing mm-hmm. and i couldn't the main thing though was like i could not wrap my mind around how to lay organize everything because i'm just not organization is really hard for me you know mm-hmm. i'm good at the art stuff but you know Part of the reason, like one of the things I really love about your channel and, and your comments, <laughs> your responses to people is like, ah, that's that's what I'm feeling, but I can't put it into words because I'm just not talented in that way. And, I, I, you know, I do, so, yeah, sometimes I'm writing those, those kind of comments. I think Fuck, I should I should have been a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's great. Yeah, yeah, totally. And and, and the video, the videos you do too, it's, it's you know, especially the you know the stuff that the Martin stuff and. Mm-hmm the Leo Gurus stuff, you know, it's like, it's so, it's like, oh, this guy can express himself verbally so well. And I'm not like that. So I really, when other people do it, I really admire it. So um, anyway, I could not get my mind around figuring out a bunch of words and how to place them because my mind is just not that way. And so it took me, it literally took me years of like trying all these different things and printing pictures out and trying to put it together until just it just clicked one day, like about a year and a half ago. Boom. Oh, I got it. This makes sense. I get it finally. And mm-hmm. uh, and once we got it, we just started like, I got the graphic designer, uh, Mackie Osborne, who is, um, uh, but, you know, the Melvins, you know, the band. The yeah, Melvins. yeah, for sure. That's uh, Buzz, Buzz's wife, Buzz wow. Osborne's wife. Yeah, she's super amazing graphic designer. She does all the Melvin stuff. And she did my first book, uh, Black Magic. And um, so, yeah, it basically she did all the design and it just looks incredible now. So it's finally done. I accidentally make, made it like 400 pages. So it's like this massive encyclopedia. Type yeah. Book. So when, when you sent it, it sent over the pictures of it. I was like, yeah. And so it was, it was, this is like, yeah, it's like the Necronomicon or something. <laughs> like, like, that's a good, a good chunky looking book. Mate. <laughs> yeah. So it came out just amazing better than i could possibly imagine it was torture and suffering for five years 
And so I'm supposed to get it um, in December and then I, you know, I'll start shipping it to Kickstarter. People have been patiently waiting for five years and then I'll, then I ordered extra so I can sell them on my website and stuff. So. Um, well, awesome. I mean, if, yeah. you, yeah, if you, if you've got a, a, like a link you want to send over to me, I'll put it in the description so people can, can go, and, oh, cool. uh, go and take a look at it. Cause yeah, I know, you, sure. you've got a website doing it. We can, can uh, is there any, any? Yeah. I don't have anything for the book yet, but um, uh, you know, it, it's, I'll, I'll have some links that you'll eventually be able to, to see the book when it, awesome. when it happens. I mean, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll definitely, I'll, I'll, I'll get one myself as soon as I'm able to. Cause yeah, from what, <laughs> I, what I've seen of it, it looked outstanding there. And I say, I'm a, big oh, fan of uh I, I used to buy all the kind of like the horror horror books like like we mentioned fangoria really i used to get fangoria all the time when i could afford it on my right on my pittance <laughs> money i had as a as a child and right just and that, that was one of the things i liked about um uh clive Barker, in particular with nightbreed there was a lot of material just about the monsters where you could go and buy there was like a right uh i can't remember what it was called now but there was like a, a nightbreed and a hellraiser just book and it was like pictures of all the cenobites and all the night yeah, reading you could just you could just read all the backstory and i would just loved it oh think, yeah it's uh, it's amazing he's it, yeah yeah it reminds me <laughs> that, that kind of stuff and the, the vibe from those movies it reminds me a lot of like when i saw star wars as a kid and i think mm-hmm. the, the most interesting bit of star wars is always like the canteen scene because you see all, mm-hmm. the, all, all the stuff going on but there's no story though it's just it's right. just visually fascinating um, yeah right just like what what's what's the world behind here like well the, yeah yeah that's the i mean that's the idea i, I also you know i like the dungeon dnd dungeon master mm. guide i was like i love that just but the idea with the book is um it's the bible of the world and in, in a sense so it's like from this book you know, I could maybe make a movie, you never know, or someone else could make a movie, or I could do a comic book, or I could do a game, or I could do a VR. That would be amazing. I mean, I, I, in being in my paintings, that would just, to me, that would be the coolest thing ever. So I was going to uh, say, like, did you have any, ever think of going down the gaming route with it? Because it reminded me a lot oh, yeah. with, with, with the characters and the way that you described them. Um, immediately reminded me of, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but with Magic the Gathering, how mm-hmm. when, you, when, yeah, you get, yeah. when you see like there, there's, you know, some of the characters yeah. and, the, and the way that they, 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 there's a description of each character. Right. I, was thinking, yeah, I, yeah. I could see some parallels. They're like a dark version of my, <laughs> really yeah, dark version. That's of magic. The, yeah. That's, that's the, uh, that's the, the, the idea, you know, a card game is a possible, there's probably something we're going to do as well. There's just so many things. So this is kind of like my life's work is this book. And I think it could be a springboard for whatever I decide to do beyond it. That's, that's why I'm, so excited about it aside from the fact that it was um, it put me through hell for five years being done with it but it's like I feel like I can kind of start now start creating this you know start making other things with this world so I'm just excited super excited about it yeah I I can kind of imagine your like horror of you know, you've got this thing of, of having this idea, like I'll put all this together and you do all this Kickstarter stuff. It's like, and then it all, when it comes to it, shit, now I've got to do it. <laughs> now you've actually got to, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, tell I, me I about of all these details. <laughs> oh, it was, an, it's, it was so bad. It was so bad. It was like, you know, I, I uh, oh, it was so bad. I was stressing out so badly, like the first year or two that I, it's like, I had to like, I had to come to terms with, I'm doing the best I can and that's all I can do. I got to stop worrying about this because seriously, I couldn't sleep. It was so bad, Uh, but that's over. 
Uh, I did want to mention something about Clive real quick, though, Go for um, it. That, that we didn't talk about is that one thing I remember about Clive um, is that he was like, he was a uh, kind of like an artistic genius. He would come up with ideas like you could tell they were like mm. ideas, boom, uh, a sketch. But he would also come up with these amazing marketing ideas like for for things to make he was super like he was so normally artists are not good at business you know Mm. and he was very much like both sides of his brain were working at maximum capacity i remember on one of these meetings he was like he said um just out of randomly when we were talking about all this stuff because it's kind of like sort of what we're talking about in a way he said um you know it'd be great would be to make a book like a big thick book about a movie like the wizard of Oz, like make, but it's a movie that never existed, but it would be full of behind the scenes shots and makeup tests, like a film as, and you treat it as if it was a movie that existed, but it, but it's just like this weird big (laughs) epic movie that never happened. And I was like, Damn, that's that's an amazing idea. How yeah, cool yeah. would that be? Well, I agree. We can all just imagine like the kind of the mythology spinning up for it. It's like, sort of like like yeah, the movie that never was. It's like kind of right. almost like <laughs> the the Chernobyl of movies. It's like it's there, but it's this ghost tone of movies. But right. It's, you know, <laughs> God, it's kind yeah. of like that that Dune documentary, I guess, in a way. Did you see that? The, the Jordan. I was. I went after watching that documentary. I was like, I'm glad this never happened. <laughs> <laughs> No, I thought it sounded like it. Yeah, it probably would have been insane. Yeah, it seemed like it had some cool. uh, You're the first person that I've I've talked to that had that opinion about it. Everybody else I know would be like, I was going like, that would be the most amazing movie ever. Oh my God. No, no, uh, I I, I was, (laughs) yeah, I think that would have been unmakeable. Um, But, uh, Probably. I mean, I, I mean, I love all the all the artwork that that went into it is is just amazing. All the, the yeah. you know, and yeah, particularly you can see where that was like a springboard for for uh, things like Geiger and you know going into Alien and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, the guy he never even read June. It was it was just yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. All he wanted to do was just 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 unchain his imagination into right. Yeah, I didn't say, oh, yeah, uh, it yeah. might not it might not have been a great dune movie but it would have probably been a great uh Jod- Jod- i can never pronounce Jodorowsky is, uh, Jodorowsky. Uh, yeah it would have been one a great one of his movies <laughs> maybe not a great dune movie though well i've heard they're, they're making um the inkle aren't they now so that's that because that that's what came out of that dune movie um all the artwork and stuff which never got used he then channeled into this series of comics called the inkle and oh. And so that's that became uh, Jodorowsky's kind of like magnum opus, and they are crazy. If it's same, the same artist Mobius was doing all did all the art. Yeah, Mobius is amazing. Just just insane sort of comic, just completely trippy story of a guy just getting completely over his head and just yeah, like reality shaping objects. Oh, cool! <laughs> and yeah, they're, they're going to turn that into a movie. And I can't, I can't remember who they got to. Uh, somebody, somebody signed up to direct it, and it's a good director as well. Because when when they do, uh, when they announced that they're going to do June, and then it was uh, Denis uh, Villeneuve. I'm going to hope I pronounce that right. I was like, yes, this guy could do a good June movie. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and I think the Inkles are going to turn out good as well. So, but yeah, I think crossed cost for that. Yeah, that'd be awesome. That 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 reminds me of you know I almost worked on the remake of the thing. They came and uh, they yeah. came to our shop. Oh, that's an that move. I 
it made me mad that movie that made me mad i think it, it made, made everybody mad. everybody mad even the people who worked on it from what i hear because yeah I, they I, covered I, up all the practical stuff i know yeah, they just replaced it all didn't they yeah and, uh, yeah uh, but, but i remember i remember the thing is i was in the meetings for it because it was like different shops were bidding on it and so i did some designs for the place i was working and um the director and i think a producer came in and i remember sitting at this meeting and i'm like this is gonna be bad <laughs> You know, it's like this dude is not into the original thing. He's not. He wasn't. He, could, he was like you could tell he. They didn't want. They didn't care about honoring Carpenter's version or right. they It's like you could just tell this dude was like a commercial director, like a TV commercial director. Mm-hmm. It was just like I just knew it was gonna suck. I just knew it, and that was. And then we didn't get the job, and I thought, well, even if it sucked, it's gonna be fun to sculpt a bunch of crazy monsters and yeah. try and inspired by Rob Botine stuff, but. I knew I knew it was gonna suck. It was. I just yeah. knew it. <laughs> I, I saw I saw some clips somewhere where it, it had some of the practical effects and how they replaced yeah. it. Yeah, and the practical effects were absolutely really fucking frightening. I, I know. Like, one I know. The guy's face is like pulling apart and stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. What inspired them to? I guess it was maybe just a, a thing of the times that like CGI. Everything was just CGI to fuck like yeah uh, but you can you know you if you use cgi with makeup effects you can do the best mm. you can have the best of both worlds like guillermo del toro yeah uh, another guy we didn't talk about it's like he collects my work and i've worked on a bunch of his movies and uh he's super amazing cool dude but you know, the way, we only see interviews and he's just one of the nicest guys he's is that life. way he is that way in real life he, he hugs you when he sees you he's just he's amazing he's, he's a special person but um uh yeah the way pants labyrinth you know that's a perfect that example movie. of uh, using, yeah it's amazing <laughs> i have a funny st- i know we, you probably need to go but i don't have a no no but if you've got a story about pants labyrinth <laughs> i want to hear a story about pants okay. labyrinth. i didn't work on i didn't work on it. everybody thinks i did the pale man but i didn't um but uh but the way my point was the way he did the cg uh mm. with the leg the legs on pan you know that was practical yeah, yeah. and then they used cg where they needed it that's how you do it. But anyway, uh, I did. I do have a funny story, just quickly uh, about uh, we were working on Hellboy two, and Guillermo set up a screening for our effects crew to see Pan's Labyrinth because it hadn't come out yet. So we got to go to like a movie on a movie. I forget a movie lot, and it's like nice seats and everything, and in a, like a view screening room. And um, I some guy, <laughs> again, I wasn't driving. <laughs> some guy, this, this guy I was working with, he's like, "Hey, I got a, a weed brownie. If you want part of it." And I was like, "I'm going to be spending the day watching this movie. Why not?" You know. And so I ate this, <laughs> this weed movie, brownie. this horror movie, this really disturbing movie with like, like <laughs> set in the set in the war with these horrible characters. Yeah, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't, you know, I I went and and watched the movie. And I was like, and it really, I, as soon as we got in the lobby uh, on the, uh, on the lot to the, to the theater, it started kicking in and I was like, oh shit, I'm so high. And, uh, you know, of course this friend of mine, Mitch, amazing sculptor is retired now. I was just like giving, you know, fucking with me. Uh, Cause he knew I was all like uncomfortable, but I went in there and watched it and I was, and it was so amazing. Like mm-hmm. I had a really amazing experience watching it. I just was like, whoa. And that ending you know, the ending, you know, I took it differently, I guess, maybe than he meant it because I took it like, go on. 
because he, he like, it's controversial the ending yeah people right like, right i took it as you know being in that state i took it as like this had happened that, that stuff was real yeah that stuff that shows she went to the other dimension and it was cool and it was you know instead of like she died and then after he was like i was talking to, to garrow he's like yeah i know the ending's kind of a bummer and i was like i didn't see it that way at all i thought it was amazing i thought it was like you know she got to go there it was like it was real that's how i took it I, I kind of I think I took it as both in that yeah I mean the the, the brutality of, of the real world had happened and it resulted in her death but she had kind of like ascended you know like she right. she moved on to the sort of the the next level kind of thing so it, yeah. so it, it was both which I think is right uh, doesn't doesn't take anything away from the brutality of 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 the ending of it uh, but it's, yeah it's true, a film true. I, I absolutely yeah but, it's it's amazing it's amazing such a good but, movie. I mean, all, all, all Del Toro stuff I love. Yeah. Just, just recently watched, um, uh, shit, what's it called? The Shape of Water. And yeah. uh, uh, that was, and that one got slated, but um, I, I thought it was amazing. Uh, oh, yeah. It was great. But it was I, great. I, I found it hard to watch sometimes because, like, I felt for that dude you know that creature i've well that, i know. think that's that's how good sort of like you know it's doug jones isn't it who, who tends to yeah. do the creature stuff for for Dalton. Yeah, yeah he's i mean he's just a master of that kind of oh yeah, he's amazing craft sort of thing. That, that that's another thing uh we worked with doug i think we maybe were one of the first people to work with doug back in the day he used to be like our suit guy back mm-hmm. in the early 90s we worked on hocus pocus that movie hocus pocus with him as a zombie uh, he was in anytime we had a suit, we would hire Doug or we would ask for Doug to be in the suit. He was because he's so amazing. It's just take, a master of movements. It's just like the subtlest thing. And I think this is one it comes across in Pan's oh, Labyrinth. Yeah. It just just every like the guy can just express volumes with with like finger movements, you know. Yeah. And the but the, but there's another element. It's like not only that's of course uh paramount, you know, that's the most important thing, but he is the nicest guy. He's probably the nicest person I know. He's so nice and he's so tolerant of wearing this shit. And it's really hard to wear suits. Like when I I did that stuff on planet of the apes, I turned into like a total asshole and I'm a nice guy. never mean to people. And I was such a prick because it was so uncomfortable. And I realized like, wow, I don't know how Doug does it. Uh, I worked in China with Doug for like three months. We went and worked in China on this. That's a bad movie, Warriors of Virtue. What a piece of shit. Oh, the Kung Fu, Kung Fu, Fu Kangaroos. It was a ripoff of Ninja Turtles, but it was the Kung Fu Kangaroos. Oh, okay. That, that's probably why I've never heard it. <laughs> it was directed by Ronnie Yu, who went to go went off to direct the Chucky movies, which I was not a fan of either. But but he got kind of like famous in horror, but he was like a famous Chinese director. But, but, you, sort of, just, but you, you hung out though with Doug Jones. Yeah, so you like... I'll put this yeah. on the list as well. Buddies with Doug Jones. Right? <laughs> yeah, no, he's like a friend, you know, he's a friend with my, me and my wife and he's the sweetest guy in the world. He's so cool. Oh, yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, well, man, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's <laughs> I think we could probably dissect your life all night, but I think this is probably a good place to, to draw a line under it, mate. I just want Definitely. to say it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, dude. And I'd love to do this again and like, put, you know, pick your brains on some more horror stuff. Anytime, um, man. Anytime. I'll put, I'll put some links in the description and stuff below to to um uh yeah to your to your website and, and to your, your face your social media pages. 
Um, is, is there anything anywhere else that you want to mention that you people can find you online or any or anything around your sort your dark arts stuff? Oh yeah, that's I, I have a podcast called the Dark Art Society podcast where I interview every week. I interview dark artists, people kind of like myself, but also any artist or just interesting people in general. I'd love to have you on if you're ever interested. Sign, sign had, me up, mate. Any, anytime. <laughs> I've had Martin on before, you know, Martin Ball. And yeah. um, so, so it's just, anyway, that's uh, darkartsociety.com. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash darkartsociety. I have a Patreon, which is uh, patreon.com slash chetzar, one word. And I basically am posting everything I'm working on as I, every time I paint a layer, I post it on there. I do time lapses, all of my artwork. I show behind the scenes stuff. A lot of the stuff we talked about, I like show pictures of old movies I worked on and behind the scenes of tool videos and all that. So that's pretty much it. Instagram at Chetzar. Awesome. <laughs> every, every link I've got, I'll stick it in the description. Cool. So, <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> dude, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure. And yeah, for sure. If there's a spot on your podcast, oh. sign so me up, mate. You tell, you tell me where and when I'll be there. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I really uh, appreciate it. I love your show. I think it's amazing. I love your attitude. It's so great. It's so needed. It's, <laughs> Thanks, <dude. laughs> That's what, one last thing. One last thing. I'm going to jam it in. I'm not going to screw your ending up, but um, that's, that's the, the, your presentation is what's lacking. I think in the, in the psychedelic community, the, oh, thanks, dude. you know, that's the, the straightforwardness and the critique, legit criticism of things like that it's like you know this whole happy love everybody and ignore every you know this ties in with the whole dark art scene and uh i just think that your approach is is what's needed it's lacking in the whole psychedelic space i think well cheers, cheers. i mean i, I appreciate i appreciate that man and i think the, the way i've i kind of do my stuff is i i, I do the stuff that the kind of like what I would want to lis listen to right. you know, when, I, when I was getting into all this stuff, I think kind of like what you just described, there was all this super, you know, everything is, is rainbows and it just cures cancer and blah, yeah. blah, blah. <laughs> and, and then the kind of the other side of the equation was like, no, no, there's, there's just, this is just, it's just, it's just purely drugs acting on your brain. There's nothing interesting going on. Right. And I was like, Actually, this isn't there something in the middle here? Like just, you right. know, isn't there something like where something amazing is happening, but, yeah, but we're not all, you know, transcending to the 12th dimension of, you know, Plutarchy and or something like that. <laughs> Can we just have like a normal conversation about, about Yeah, exactly. Yeah, fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You bring you bring like a, you know, like a, it's like a regular conversation with a normal person and it's not, you know, none of the airy-fairy, you know what I'm saying. I think it's, I, I, I think. I, 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 I was, man, I, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad it found a, found an audience with someone as awesome as yourself mate and oh. yeah <laughs> and, well, thanks uh, yeah, like yeah said, let's 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 uh let's do this again mate because i think yeah I'm, every Anytime. time i watch a horror movie now i'm gonna be like okay make some notes for chet i want to know about how this <laughs> happened and stuff <laughs> every once in a while you'll probably see my name in a credit if you watch the credits people are always writing me on i didn't know you worked on freaked or i didn't know you worked on some weird obscure movie but anyway yeah thank you for having me on i really appreciate it love the show and anytime I'll come awesome. back. Awesome. Cool. Let's wrap it up there, dude. Thanks a lot. All and right. uh, hopefully, I'll speak to you soon.